0: The Dental Practice Fixers podcast is brought to you by the Mado Center for Dental Practice Success. To find out how we can help increase the success of your practice, check out mado.com or call us at 1-800-258-0060. Hey there. I'm Dr. Richard Maddow, and welcome to the next episode of the Dental Practice Fixers podcast. For those of you who are counting, this is actually our 75th episode of the Dental Practice Fixers. And I want to thank every single one of you, those who have been with us from the beginning, from episode one, I guess that was just a few hundred of you, all the way now to episode 75, with our listenership um, all across the world, mostly in the US and Canada, but we certainly love and welcome our listeners from all across the world. So welcome to episode 75. Um, Last weekend was Thanksgiving here in the U.S., so we took a little break. And um, I know that for most of us, it was a really strange Thanksgiving this year. It's a time where many of us are with our families and some of us have friends giving with our friends and all of that unfortunately kind of came to a screeching halt this year. I know it certainly did for us. Um, And I really miss my kids, my extended family, everyone. But, hey, we're staying in touch virtually, and I know things will be getting better. A lot of that due to things that are happening right here in my um, home state of Maryland. We are home to Moderna, one of the big players in the COVID vaccine race. And supposedly they're manufacturing um, many, many doses right here in Baltimore, in my beautiful hometown of Baltimore. So, hey, a little local news. Anyway. Let's hope that um, certainly by next Thanksgiving and hopefully way before then, things are back to the way that we remember. I think we'll call them the good old days. But anyway, thanks for being here. It's really great to be doing the 75th episode of the Dental Practice Fixers. And I'll ask you a little favor. We really need your help to grow the podcast. So please tell your friends, tell your colleagues, tell your enemies, please tell anybody about listening to the Dental Practice Fixers or watching us on YouTube or on Um, You know, Apple, Spotify, Sketcher, all the normal um, uh, podcast platforms. And also you can watch a video of this on YouTube. So give us a good rating, make a comment, tell some people. I'd really appreciate it. That's the way we grow. Speaking of growing, um, I know that this podcast is helping you grow your dental practice, but one of the other things we'd like to do is help you save money. And if you're a regular listener or viewer, you know that one of our favorite ways to save money is to save every month by putting your credit card processing fees on autopilot and never paying an overage percentage again, just a low monthly flat fee. And the way you can do that in your office is the same way that we do it here at the Maddow Center for Dental Practice Success, and that is by using Fat Merchant for your credit card processing. It's simple to make the switch. It's seamless. Um, the tech is incredible with all their no-touch machines and great interfaces that you'll get. And most of all, you will save money every single month. They can even tell you approximately how much money you'll save, so you don't have to switch until you're confident that you'll be saving money. The way to get started is to go to madocom slash save course it's slash save what else could it be so it's m-a-d-o-w dot com slash s-a-v-e go there right now and see how much money you can save every month by using fat merchant okay i don't know if it's because we took a thanksgiving break but it seems like we've gotten a ton of emails um, podcast-based emails in the last few weeks and i'm going to share one of them with you today Um, But we've got a lot of cool stuff. And if you want to make a comment, you can just send an email to info at matto.com. I-N-F-O at matto.com. But for some reason, and and I'll see any of these that are based, you know, that are about the podcast. But if you want to hit me up personally, you're worried that you'll get screened or something. Just go to rich at matto.com, R-I-C-H at matto.com. But um, all of our emails uh, get... They don't get ignored. We we take action on our email. So if you send to info at matto.com, you can be sure it will go to the right place. Anyway, as I said, we got a ton of them. One of them that was really interesting was from our good friend and friend of the podcast, Dr. Mitchell Josephs, about something special he did for his team to celebrate Thanksgiving and the upcoming holidays. And maybe we'll get to that one next week. It was really great. And I think we'll talk about some ideas to celebrate your team and celebrate your success as this crazy, crazy year comes to a close. But here's the one I wanted to read this week. It's from our good friend, Dr. Ira Biederman. Dr. Biederman has been a friend of Mato for many, many, many years. He's a great guy. I've spoken to him personally a few times on the phone. He does a lot of our cool things. Anyway, I thought this was an interesting email. I'm not saying I agree with all of it and we'll talk about that, but he definitely made some great points. So here's what Dr. Biederman had to say says, Rich, on your secret shopper calls and seeing articles about fees for crowns and even seeing estimates from other dentists the new patients are showing me, since they wanted a second opinion, I see so many dentists charging for core buildups. I am sure the majority of those teeth do not need them at all, just an extra charge to make more money. Just because a tooth has an old filling in it and when it's prepped for a crown, there's a little indentation in the prep, A well-made crown should fit perfectly. Another thing I've seen lately are patients coming to me after they responded to a coupon for a dental cleaning offer. That dentist tells them they need scaling and root planing, and of course, hundreds of dollars more, I would say thousands, but hundreds of dollars more than the coupon offer was for. When I look at the x-rays, pocket readings, etc., the patient just needs a regular light scaling and polishing. I've also seen that from insurance patients coming to me from other dentists. Guess the way the economy is. They want some extra money. I always tell patients, dentistry is a profession where you have to trust the dentist. One can tell you that you have 10 fillings that need to be done, and another can tell you that you have one. These are just my observations and opinions. I feel good that I treat people like I would like to be treated myself, and I know that's how you ran your practice when you were practicing. Have a good weekend. Stay safe and healthy, Dr. Ira Biederman. Wow, great email, Dr. Ira. Brings up a lot of interesting points. And again, as I said, I agree with some of this. Some of it I'm not so sure I agree with. But again, it's all a matter of opinion. So let's talk about some other things. First of all, you said that um, you see patients for second opinions. I mean, that's that's interesting. Is dentistry a profession where we really get a lot of second opinions? I remember in my practice, I would get them every now and then. Also, every now and then, a patient would ask me for a second if they could go get a second opinion. But I didn't see it to be a big factor in my dental practice, and it's not something I hear about a lot from many other dentists. Sure, second opinions happen, but not something I'm really concerned with that often. Um, you know, do we really get that many second opinions? Well, first of all, I would say that when I got a patient coming in for a second opinion. I would always be really careful and tread kind of lightly. And I know I've talked about this in, under other circumstances as well, but I never want to throw the previous dentist under the bus. Um, I don't care how bad I think they were or how, how bad they mangled this diagnosis. I just don't find it productive. you know, even if a patient's looking for a second opinion, they might still have good feelings about their previous dentist, or even if they hate their previous dentist. I just feel that when we say negative things about other dentists. It brings us all down it's bad for the profession in general so many times if the patient will say like do you agree with this I would just say something like well I wasn't there when this examination was given you know I don't know what the circumstances were so what I'd like to do is tell you what I see here today and what I feel the the correct course of treatment is for you. Instead of just saying this dentist was a schmo, this dentist was a ganiff, this dentist didn't know what they were doing. A lot of Yiddish today. This dentist didn't know what they were talking about. I just don't find it productive. So I need to be really, I I find it's really good to be careful and never throw that dentist under the bus. Um, A strategy that I used to use when a patient would ask me if they could get a second opinion, first of all, I wouldn't be shocked or insulted or anything like that. I would just say, I absolutely understand. Um, There's no problem at all with getting a second opinion. But, and this was particularly um, for perio disease, I would say, I would highly recommend that you see a specialist. Um, they do have the highest level of expertise in this particular situation, and I'd like you to recommend. I'd like to recommend that you see um, Dr. Pakman. He's a periodontist in the area. He's a specialist in gum disease. He's very conservative. He's not one to recommend unneeded treatment or surgery, and I highly respect him and trust his opinion a lot. As a matter of fact, here's how you can get in touch with him. Um, I always thought it was good to recommend a specialist, and honestly. Most people would kind of see the light, and they'd be afraid to go to the specialist, and they'd have me do the treatment um, right in my office. But I just think it's good, and I don't think that, I think it's a wise thing to do. I mean, I'm just thinking like if I were seeing my internist, and they said um, I think you have this or that, and I said ah, I really want a second opinion, and they said okay, that's fine. I welcome second opinions, but in this case, I think you should, you should see a dermatologist or orthopedist or whatever it is. Kind of take it up that extra notch. Nothing wrong with that. So, second opinions, yeah. Uh, we can certainly use them to our advantage, uh, but never use them to our disadvantage by getting all defensive and cocky and, and blasting another dentist or or acting insulted. It just doesn't do anybody any good. Now, um, you, Dr. Ira, you were talking about core buildups, and you see so many dentists charging for core buildups. It's funny, it made me think way back when, when I first started practicing. Um, again, I, I finished my residency in 85 purchased my own practice at the end of 86. And one of my gurus was Dr. Earl E. Step. And he was even old and out, outdated. Well, maybe old-fashioned is a better term to use than outdated. Back then in the 80s, a lot of his stuff was from the 60s and the 70s. But I loved his writing, especially on treatment plan presentation. But he was also a fantastic clinician. He used to write about how he very rarely did cores, how he would just... And he showed pictures, he would do these crown, crown preps and then crowns on these just kind of jagged looking, they look like modern art. I don't know, because he wouldn't do cores and he would just kind of trim things up and make it look like maybe like the New York City skyline, these crown preps. Um, and his theory was that um, it gave more surface area for the crown to adhere to or for the crown to bond to. And, you know, we weren't really using bonding cements as much back in those days, but let's just say for the crown to adhere to. Um, and I started trying it his way. I wasn't a fan. I, I certainly sensed a higher level of failure and certainly a higher level of sensitivity and issues. So I became a fan of doing cores. There was a product back then, by Parkell called amalgam bond and this kind of revolutionized everything because it it made amalgam i know yes we were using amalgam for most of our cores back in those days it made amalgam bond to just about everything it was really expensive it was a revolutionary revolutionary material you could use it then for um composite materials as well even those old mix-up composites that i know most of us don't even remember it would make those bond to the prep so um that was a game changer. You could actually bond a material to this prep. And after all that happened, um, you know, trying early steps methods, maybe with a higher amount of failures or sensitivity, and then we could actually bond things to crown preps. I became became a big fan of cores. Um, I mean, there was just nothing like a good bonded core and a nice, solid, firm crown prep that looked like it was supposed to look like if you did a crown prep on a ivory tooth or you know plastic tooth or a virgin tooth not that you would ever do a crown prep on a virgin tooth but this is what it would look like so i happen to be a fan of cores um do some dentists over treat yes absolutely i've been in practices before where they say we never i mean never do a crown without a core now anything that that absolute i think that's over treatment you cannot say in every single case that a crown needs a core but um I think cores are great. I think they're useful. Do they lead to an extra charge? Yes, they do. I mean, you can make the argument that a core is kind of a profit center because your practice does get a higher fee, but I don't know. Uh, I, there are definitely dentists out there doing too many cores, like this office I just talked about where they do a core every time. But I think um, used conservatively, a core is a great treatment, and I find that they very frequently are needed. Okay, scaling and root planning. Yeah, it's a tough one. Um, Patients do tend to see, frequently tend to see scaling and root planing as bait and switch. And and Dr. Biederman, I do agree with you. Um, there are practices that, again, will never just see a patient and do a regular cleaning or a cleanup, a light scaling, or whatever you want to call it, um, and then switch the patient back to a regular exam and profi patient. On the other hand, I cannot tell you how many times I go into a practice or our coaches go into a practice or we do a data analysis and look at the amount of perio being done in that practice and find this is not nearly, this just doesn't sound right because let's face it, we know well over 50% of adult patients in the U.S. have some form of perio disease. Um, we see practices that are doing scaling and root planing or having patients in perio maintenance at a level of like only 5 to 10% of the patients in their practice so while i agree with the with the emailer on the one hand we don't want to overtreat perio we don't want to do bait and switch i find it extremely common the practices are not doing enough Period treatment why are they doing enough perio treatment i think a lot of it is fear of confrontation you know we've been seeing this patient for a while we've been telling them everything's fine we're just going to keep doing cleanings and it's tough to adjust to talking to them about perio treatment but don't be afraid to do it again you know you can always say you know our modern research shows the perio disease is linked to um, health problems that affect the whole body hypertension diabetes whatever and we're being extra careful in making sure that we're finding periodontal disease and treating it in our patients. And there's so many reasons that dentists are afraid or hygienists are afraid to diagnose and present period treatment. We've had many dentists and hygienists say to us, I know it's really weird, so few of our patients need period treatment, but in this area, we just don't find the period treatments needed. Well, I'm going to call BS on that one. Um, I don't think there's any predictor of periodontal disease sure you can make the make the uh the case maybe that in um, lower socioeconomic areas there's more period disease because people just don't take as good care of their teeth they don't go to the dentist as frequently i'll buy that one but i don't care where your practice is i don't care if you're in midtown manhattan beverly hills or the middle of nowhere your patients have periodontitis, disease. And if you're not doing a decent percentage of scaling and root planning, or at least diagnosing it, you could be underdiagnosing. But um, Dr. Ira, I totally see where you're coming from in that. I think in general, we just don't want to overtreat. You made a point that dentists want extra money in this economy. Well, I don't think it's just this economy. I think there have always been unscrupulous dentists who overtreat, who want more money, and it's just a shame. And I think the most important thing that you said in this whole thing is that Um, It's all about trust, and then you want to be treated as you would treat yourself, and that it comes down to trusting your dentist. And that is the most important thing, and I'm so glad you brought that up. People say, what's the most important factor in treatment plan acceptance? Is it this style of doing it? Is it this way of doing it? Is it bringing them back into the separate appointment in the big room and wearing a suit and tie? Is it doing it right in the you know, right in the treatment room, blah, blah, what's this, and you know, I could talk about this for hours on end, but Dr. Biederman, you nailed it. Trust is the number one thing. You have to be honest, you have to be ethical, and you have to convey that to the patients. You've gotta befriend them, you've gotta make them your trusted dentist. If you're coming off as some slick, sleazy salesman, it doesn't matter if they need the treatment or not, they're not gonna trust you and they're not gonna buy into it. So it's all about establishing relationships. Being trustful, being there when they need you. All these things are so important, you know, Um, and, and so many little factors go into this. I would even make the argument that taking a patient back on time for their appointment, getting to know a little bit about them, making the little blue notes that I talked about where you talk about, you know, just ask them something about their personal lives. Yes, this doesn't make you a great clinical dentist, but it makes you a dentist where you will establish trust with your patients. So again, thanks everybody. We've been getting a ton of emails about the the podcast, asking questions and making comments like this. I'll try to read as many as I can. I think next week we'll do one from Dr. Joseph that was really great about something special he did for his team. But Dr. Iyer, I appreciate you taking the time to write in. You gave us great, great food for thought. So much appreciated. Again, anybody else you want to send us an email, um, info at Matto.com, I-N-F-O at matter.com. My direct email is rich at matter.com. But since you were talking about cores, I got a great idea for this week's mystery shopper call. We did two of them about cores. Basically, my last dentist told me I needed a crown and a core. What is a core? Let's see how these calls go. Now, if you're thinking, hey, that's kind of ridiculous. I might get a call like that once every 10 years. That could be true, but hang on, because there's a big lesson to be learned from these calls that we're going to talk about that will help you with many, many, many more calls of this ilk. Ilk. I think it's the first time I've used that word on the podcast, of this ilk, so to speak. So let's go over here to Command Central. Call number one asking about a core. Dental, so speaking. How can I help you? I have a question for you. Um, I was told that I need a crown and a core from another dentist. I, I know what a crown is, but what's a core? Is that part of the crown uh the you mean the pose and core i I just said a core yeah most likely it's a pose and core it is a part of the crown yes because they need to rebuild inside the tooth before they could cap it Mm -hmm. so that's what they mean Mm -hmm. okay got it well thank you so much sure okay bye okay well i'll start with on the niceness scale she was certainly nice she was pleasant she seemed interested in helping me. I asked about a core, and she went to a post and core, which, um, you know, that's that's a little bit of a stretch. A post and core, I, I don't think, would be done nearly as frequently as a core in your dental practice. And so maybe she didn't really know what she was talking about that much clinically. I think she said something like they need, they need to build the tooth up from the inside. I like that. That's not bad. I mean, I think you get a picture of what that means. I would like it when... Um, You know, I've talked about this a million times. Again, you don't use clinical terms. You use terms that even a fourth grader can understand. So they need to build the tooth up from the inside. Well, not bad. Paints a somewhat accurate picture. Um, But again, she got the clinical procedure wrong. She was nice. And she made the biggest mistake of all time. But let's do call number two, because call number two also makes the biggest mistake of all time. And then we'll talk about this call in general, and why even if you're not getting this exact call, what's a core? You're probably not getting that call very often, but why it's so important that you're able to answer this question. So back to Command Central, call number two. This is Karen. Hey, I was told um, by another dentist that I need a crown and a a core buildup. I I know what a crown is because I've had those before, but what does a core buildup mean? Um, so that just means that the tooth is not, um, what's left in the tooth is not going to be enough to hold a crown. So he has to build it back up. So he, in, in a way he's kind of doing a filling to build that tooth back up so that the crown can hold, um, better, if you will. Mm Hmm. Okay, is there it's an additional charge for that? Because it's right in the middle. I'm sorry? In the middle. It's like, oh, kind of like your core, like right. when you work out your core. Right. right, in, in your the core, he's building that back up so that the crown can hold and grab, you know, in a, in a better, um, stronger oh, way. Oh, that makes sense. Is there usually an additional charge for the core? So usually in our practice, there is. Um, I know there's some practices out there that they don't charge for extra, but it's usually a different step because not every tooth needs it. Mm-hmm. So there is an additional fee occasionally. Occasionally. Got it. Well, thank you so mm-hmm. much. I appreciate You're it. You're welcome. Sure. Okay, no bye. Problem. Bye. Bye-bye. Wow. She was doing okay. At the end, she she really went off on that tangent saying that some practices don't charge for a core. And in our practice, there's an additional fee occasionally. Well, occasionally, how do you decide? I mean, she never should have gone there. First of all, some practices don't charge for a core. That's crazy. I don't think I've ever heard of that. Um, But now my expectation is that this core should be no charge. So what if I went there now and I needed a crown and a core? Well, you told me that some practices don't charge for a core and you charge for it occasionally. I want the free one. So that was a big mistake to go there towards the end. I did like her explanation of a core. It's like a filling to make the tooth stronger so the crown can hold on better. I mean, again, I I didn't get that quote exactly, but I thought she did a really nice job in layman's terms of explaining what a core is there's not enough tooth there to hold the crown completely so we do something like a filling so the crown can hold better yeah I mean you know is, is it a hundred percent accurate and scientific well I think it did the job but let's go back to the main point and the main problem with these calls as I said before how often do you get a call saying I need a core and a crown what is a core well maybe never but that's not the point because think about it a call like this or so many other calls This patient is actually saying, I have a question and I called your office, which means I'm interested in being a patient in your office. Now, I know where these calls were done. We bleep all that out. But I can tell you these were done in a very dense suburban area, the kind of area where there's a dentist every foot. I mean, competitive, kind of a high fee area, dentists all over the place. Why did this person of all the dentists in your area, hundreds of them, pick up the phone and call your number, who knows? Um, They were referred by a friend, they drove by your office or walked by because you were very nearby, you were on their insurance list, Um, they saw your sign, it could be many, many reasons, but for some reason they called your office out of all the offices in the world with a question. And the question could be, what's the core? It could be, do you take my insurance? It could be, where are you located? It could be, do you have Friday hours? Who cares? This person is saying the same thing, I want to be a patient in your practice. And neither of these people, nor most of the ones that we call, ever took that most important step and said, we'd love to see you as a patient in our practice. Well, in this case, they could have said, I'll tell you what, the best thing is, why don't you come on in, we'll have the doctor take a look to see if that's actually what you need. Maybe you don't even need a coroner crown, who knows, come on in, we'll take a look. Um, we won't even charge you. We'll do a no charge consultation and we can let you know exactly what you need and talk to you in person about what a core is. You'll get to meet the team, see the office. I know you'll love it here. We can see you tomorrow at 2 p.m. How would that work out for you? Oh my gosh, I think if that ever happened, I'd plot, I'd fall on the floor. Why aren't people doing this? It's so simple. I don't know. Our goal with the dental practice fixers is to make it so every call we make, that's how they do it but it didn't happen this time, maybe next week. So until then, I will see you next week. I'm Dr. Richard Maddow, co-founder of the Maddow Center for Dental Practice Success, your host today on the Dental Practice Fixers podcast. Thanks again for being a listener or a viewer. We really appreciate it. And um, oh, I talked about earlier how when we... Um, Analyze office's data for the amount of perio treatment they're doing. That's something that we can do for any practice. And we do it at no charge, no obligation, no pressure. They're incredibly revealing. Just go to maddo.com slash snapshot. maddo.com slash snapshot. We can find out all kinds of fascinating things about your practice, how you can improve what you're doing well, what you're not doing well. I can't promise what it's going to be in your practice, but from doing these, I can promise you one thing. Chances are it will not be what you think so do it they're great they're no charge they're very interesting very revealing and i dare say they're fun matter.com slash snapshot and i will see you next week on the fixers thanks